fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Also, to try and, you know, really stretch the boundaries of the words popular film and franchise over the course of this. But today we are continuing our miniseries, Webhead Summer, covering every Spider-Man film. We will fully spoil today's film, Spider-Man Far From Home, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Wade, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Emmett. I saw this movie in theaters when it came out two months after Endgame, three years ago now, and I liked it just fine, and I didn't watch it or really think about it ever since then. So this was like kind of a surprise to me. You know, this was, I would say, of all the Spider-Man movies I was re-watching, this was by far the one that I remembered the least of. What about you, Emmett? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I had never seen this movie before. I had oh. seen the one before it and the one after it, but had not seen this one before. And I think I had called you so that I could get the rundown on this movie and, like, what the important points were right before I ran in to see the next film in the series, No Way Home. So Mm -hmm. this was kind of a fun, a fun one for me to see one that I'd not ever seen before. And indeed it's a fun, exciting rom-com sort of movie. Mm -hmm. May I also say that Bumtober is coming. Send in your suggestions for film series, writers or directors that you would like us to cover on the pod to cinemabumspod at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at cinemabums. Listen up. It's going to be Bumtober. We're doing a bracket. It's going to be awesome. You want your voice to be heard, right? You don't want to just like have me decide what movies we're going to talk about. I really, and this isn't just rhetorical, you really don't. So please (laughs) send in your suggestions to the previously stated email that I will not attempt again. And uh, we'll have a great time. This bummed over. Yay. Uh, Wait, what are your very brief stats on Spider-Man Far From Home 2019? It is the 23rd entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the final installment in both Phase 3 and the Infinity Saga. This is a little epilogue movie that Marvel likes to do. You know, they have um, Ant-Man after Age of Ultron to finish Phase 2. We're about to have the Guardians Holiday Special after Black Panther to finish Phase 4 here at the end of the year. And so after Endgame wraps everything up, they've got this little epilogue movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, released July 2nd, 2019 by Sony Pictures. I have also heard that part of the reason for this is allegedly that in the Marvel Studios Sony contract to use him in the MCU, there is some sort of stipulation that says that they have to release a movie every two years. Oh, whoa. I don't totally know if that's legit what all the contract machinations are but i have heard that that is why you know this drops right after endgame no way home drops two years after this in 2021 i think like right before christmas like as late as you could be well still in 2021 mm-hmm. i mean they haven't started working on a next one but i guess we would be getting another one next year if this is true so damn <laughs> yeah 
interesting to think about. This movie is directed by John Watts and written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers and scored by Michael Giacchino, all returning from Spider-Man Homecoming, the previous film. Uh, McKenna and Summers in particular wrote the final draft of Homecoming. They have sole writing credit here on this one. Runs two hours and nine minutes, a budget of $160 million, became the first Spider-Man movie to break a billion with its $1.1 billion at the box office. Even with that, it was still the fourth highest grossing film of 2019. Generally well-regarded, 69 on Metacritic, compared to Homecoming, 73, just slightly higher. Emmett, for any listeners who may be in the same position as either one of us were just a week ago, how would you recap the events of Far From Home? Okay, Spider-Man, he's back, baby. He's there. He's going to school. He's got his friends. He's trying to get Ned to uh, help him, you know, put the moves on MJ. And Ned like, just wants him to be his, his best friend, just wants him to have, you know, bro time, build the Lego Death Star, hang out, uh, wear fedoras, be cool guys together. Be American bachelors in Europe. Be American bachelors in Europe together. What? You know, they're, they're trying to go live it up. They're going on a really exciting European trip with two of their teachers from school, from the smart kids school that they go to. Well, MJ is along and of course Peter is making repeated failed attempts to make a connection there. Um, there's also an extremely hot kid who I guess used to be five years younger than all of them and then had a glow up during the blip while the rest of them were disappeared and is now like the popular guy of the school and is like kind of a rival for MJ's love in this film. Brad. Brad. Then, as they are in some European place, I can't remember where where they are when it starts, but because they're bouncing all over all of the classic European cities, they get attacked by an elemental monster, or they witness an attack by an elemental monster, right? Mm. They're like, oh, wow. And then this guy, this other superhero comes in, and it's Jake Gyllenhaal in a cool space suit. He's like, seems to be this guy from another he says he's a guy from another dimension he's part of the multiverse and that his entire universe was destroyed by these horrible aliens and he's just trying to prevent it from happening here on this plane of existence or something along those lines Mm -hmm. at first everybody believes that and is like wow this is this is really serious like what a cool guy they start calling him mysterio then it's revealed that this guy is basically like a superhero influencer with a corporate team behind him who used to work for stark industries they're a bunch of like dissatisfied employees who have formed together (laughs) to like create a new fake superhero who might also be real who's creating real destruction with real drones but with making fake elementals I'm not exactly clear on all of it, but it's pretty cool. And then, of course, Spider-Man at first trusts this guy and believes him and like thinks of him as a mentor and is totally you know, betrayed by him at the end. The little patsy. <laughs> totally. I mean, like, completely falls for it. You yeah, know, like, no, his, his spidey sense couldn't tingle about that. I mean, come on. <laughs> and continually, like, keeps falling for it, even after he knows it's like he never even watched the all too well 10 minute cut music video. 
Seriously, though. Yeah. He completely he yeah. completely falls for it. True. Then, of course, there's many more different attacks. Mysterio's going around and faking like he's saving people. Slowly, Spider-Man starts to figure it out, right? Basically, what happens is that Mysterio, after Peter knows that he's evil, does like this huge attack on London. Oh, right. They're like, he's going to kill a bunch of people to like prove that he's the best superhero. He's like an Avengers level superhero. Right, right. Is what they say. Because they need an Avengers level disaster for him to come and rescue them from. Right. And Spider-Man manages to like see through this and hunt down where the real Mysterio is and defeat him by reclaiming the technology that was gifted to him by Tony, which Mm. he in turn gave to Mysterio hook line right. And singer. right and then him and MJ give each other a little smooch yeah it ends with perfect romantic comedy ending gets the smooch swings away on the web mm-hmm. together to see New York City very good and then post credits sequence oh no that bastard J. Jonah Jameson has released this footage, this doctored footage of Spider-Man, where it's a deep fake of Spider-Man, like saying, execute them all like to kill the people and Mysterio trying to save them and dying heroically to stop Mm Spider-Man. That's where we end to set up for the next movie. Yeah. Which is a classic callback to the old, is Spider-Man a hero or a villain? J. Jonas Jameson thing and mm-hmm. like the whole classic. I, I feel like honestly getting back into the bread and butter of what the series should be about rather than the whole like cosmic romp thing, you know? Right, right, right. Like his his relationship to being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is the most interesting thing about him being a superhero. Like all the stuff with him and his classmates and him like almost calling a drone strike on his uh, like romantic rival. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's the best part of this movie. That's all the stuff mm-hmm. that we want to see. Like, that's what, because I want to know, yeah. like, if we were superheroes, like, that's the sort of stuff that we'd be getting into. It's not like saving the world. So, yeah. John once talked about this, that his pitch for this was basically that it's a con man movie. Mm. You know, so much of it is about Mysterio playing this con on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Apparently, if you look in the background of shots when they first get to Europe, you can see him and his crew, like, trailing Spider-Man, like, oh, setting things up wow. in the backgrounds in ways uh-huh. you you would never even notice unless you were, like, freeze-framing. But, like, uh-huh. there is, like, Jake Gyllenhaal in sunglasses, like, setting up the stuff in the back of all of it. So he said that it's a con-man movie, and, of course... Mysterio plays the long con on Spider-Man by revealing his identity even post-death, you know, even from beyond the grave. Mysterio does that. And then it is sort of the even longer ultimate con we see in the final post-credits, which is that Nick Fury, who has been kind of running things the whole time, is actually not there, is being played by a scroll in the real Nick Fury is up in space doing something else. Having vacation time, it looks like. I have conflicted feelings about how it's executed, but I want to say, like, not to brag, I had no idea this was happening. But, like, the even the first time I saw this movie, I was like, he's kind of off. Like, Samuel L. Jackson is, like, giving... Like, he's not landing like he should be. There is something a little bit weird about this performance. Hmm. And I just kind of thought he was maybe phoning it in or it was bad editing or something. Yeah. 
And then it's revealed that no, it's not him. And he's playing like a slightly slower version of himself, basically. Interesting. Interesting. Wait, this film. <laughs> Spider-Man. Far From Home, 2019. Flop or bop? A bop for me. I really like it. Yeah. It was a fun little watch. I don't think it's, you know, as good as Homecoming. Mm-hmm. I think it's really fun. I think it's really weird putting Spider-Man in this like European vacation mode. There's a lot of strange stuff in the movie, too. I like that. I like how funny it is. It feels mm-hmm. even more than Homecoming. Like it's maybe just going for being a straight up comedy, mm-hmm. especially for most of the first act. And I love all that stuff. I love the European vacation stuff. I love the Mysterio stuff. I love the MJ stuff. I think all of that is great. Weirdly, what should be the spine of the movie, the like Tony stuff feels a little bit tacked on to me. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, there's sort of this element of like, oh, the movie is about like Peter getting his mojo back. And when we get into all that stuff, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that it was even gone. Like, yeah, that stuff didn't even work for me when it's like, oh, he's getting his Peter Tingle, his spider sense back. And I was like, wait, was it gone? Yeah. Is that something that's been happening? Because that didn't seem like what the movie was about to me. But, you know, it doesn't totally add up. But there's a lot of stuff in this movie to like, in my opinion. Uh, Emmett, flop or bop? I'm going to say bop. I like all the stuff with Ned. Uh, I think that's very fun, I think. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. the high school comedy part of this is very fun. Mm-hmm. The other part of it, I'm less, I don't really care as much about, but I still think, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is always a fun, he's a fun villain, you know. I think it's a cool new idea for a villain that they haven't tried before. And I think yeah. that's, that's fun. I like that. Yeah. I think that's their basic MO with these homecoming trilogy is like, you know, to make it high school, to make a comedy, but also I think mostly just to do things that haven't already been done in. Yeah. the other Spider-Man movies before. Yeah, it's interesting. How well they execute those may vary from thing to thing, but I feel mm-hmm. like that's their big MO is just, let's put something new on screen. Yeah. That's also something, it's like, how much do they know movie to movie to movie on these three where they're going? Do you know? Well, I would be very curious to know when the plans for this one came together because like, this movie comes out two months after Endgame. Like, they must have been some of the only people outside of the Endgame crew who knew that Tony was going to die, right? Oh, yeah. Like, they produced this whole movie simultaneously about Peter, like, being haunted by that death. That wasn't known to the world. Huh. Do you think that's why the Tony stuff feels tacked on? Because they were saving that to, like, do it last and keep it under wraps? I didn't see anything saying this, but I certainly think it's possible they had the idea of like Mysterio summer vacation before they found out about like the blip and the Tony stuff getting added in there too. What I will say, we talk about this a little more next week, but like in terms of how much they knew from thing to thing, there was basically supposed to be a third movie that they skipped between Uh, this and No Way Home. Oh, wow. There was supposed to be another sort of solo movie in New York with Craven the Hunter as another new bad guy who we've never seen on screen. And then like the post credits of the third movie would be setting up what happens in No Way Home. Interesting. 
Kevin Feige and the writers were most excited about getting to that stuff. So they were kind of like, what if we just did it now? Like, what if we didn't do the interstitial movie, basically? Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little more next week. Yeah, I agree with you about Ned. His stuff is so funny. The stuff with him and Betty. Yes, incredible. With their matching hats and sharing their opera glasses. Down to like having the matching outfit, even in their breakup scene at the end. Yeah. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. They are so funny. That stuff is so good. Flash. I love that he calls his online followers Flash Mob. I think he's really funny in this movie, too. I also love how he loves Spider-Man and (laughs) hates Peter. (laughs) <laughs> like like love yeah. spider-man it is but even though spider-man stole his uncle's car and crashed it or whatever yeah in the first one let's see what about oh wait what about the continuity corner i see we must get into this okay what's there's what's a the lot deal? of stuff in this movie i think it makes sense but let's just walk through it in our head okay okay because when last we saw him i guess at the start of infinity war was in 2018 we said that he was either 16 or 17 and it was either the end of his junior year or the beginning of his senior year depending on when in the year it was supposed to take place infinity war yes that's the last time we saw so this movie we find out a few things we hear first of all that after the blip they made everyone restart from whatever year they were in when they blipped okay that would mean that peter was a junior in infinity war He blipped back in 2023 and they made him restart his junior year from the beginning. Even though it was like friggin like, (laughs) okay, this is a raw (laughs) feel for these students. Okay. All right. You know, they think the kids think they've got it bad with COVID, but if they (laughs) were blipped for five years and then had to come back and not only all of this, your entire life uprooted the people that you knew before, maybe some of them are five years older than you now. Some of them have also gone through this crazy thing, but now you're telling me you have to retake your junior year of high school. Thanos was a sick, sick man. (laughs) The thing that really trips me out that they offhandedly mention in this is the thing of like your younger sibling is now your older sibling. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel like this movie does get do a good job of getting into like the weird things that would have happened in the blips. Yeah. Well, like exactly like that one kid was okay. So you were in high school. You're a junior in high school. There's a kid who's in seventh grade. Uh, You blip away. You come back. He is now a year older than you and the hottest guy in the school and about to steal your girl. That is a, that's a travesty. I mean, forget like half the universe dying. That is melodramatic tragedy right there. For real. For real. That guy, by the way, Brad, is the same as Liz in Homecoming, where uh-huh. like all the other actors are like 19, 20, 21. Uh-huh. And that guy was like 32. Was yeah, like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about? The continuity corner. Yeah. So they made them redo their junior year. And this is now the end of their junior year, right? Because we see like... like the last day of school and then their summer trip. 
it was this their summer after their junior year, which they had to retake trip. Yes. Okay. Okay. That would make this summer 2024. Okay. And it's the trip between their junior year and senior year. Yes. Which means that the next movie should take place in fall of, right? In the fall to winter of 24. Yes. And in Peter's senior year. And he calls himself in this movie a 16-year-old kid. Who's also 21, but also (laughs) 27 at this point, I think. I have written down that he says he's 15 in Homecoming. So I guess that does track even though it does feel like he should be more like 17 in this movie 16 and the yeah damn so then he's gonna be like 16 going into his senior year of high school yeah that makes sense he could be like young going in and then like turn 17 early on in the early on in the year Mm -hmm. yeah i think it all i think it all tracks okay i think we've made sense of this tangled web Okay. Well, good. Good. Thank you for walking me through the continuity corner. Is there any behind the scenes drama on this? Was Tom Holland like mailing dead pig's brains to his uh, castmates to try and get into character for Spider-Man? Tell me. No, not that I saw at least, although you never know. One of the few explicit references to Uncle Ben we get in this movie in Uh that Peter's suitcase says... BFP, Ben Franklin Parker, on it. He's using Uncle Ben's suitcase. Oh, interesting. This film shot on location in London, Prague, and New Jersey. It is one of the only Marvel movies not to shoot in Atlanta. To actually be shot on location out in Europe. Hmm. And it looks pretty good. It does look good. J.K. Simmons, you mentioned him. He came in and shot his scene in secret very shortly before the release of this movie. His return as J. Jonah Jameson. John Watts said they only wanted him. And if he didn't want to do it, they would have not included that character. It says that J.K. gave old Sam Raimi a call and asked for his blessing before coming back and doing it. So that's funny. He's hilarious. And I I like his scarier J. Jonah Jameson. It's like J. Jonah Jameson Mm -hmm. for times. And Alex J. Jonah Jameson. If you catch my drift. And speaking of which, I see you have written here fake news in the cultural context of our notes here. And I just like, we have been just living in that now for what, three, four years at this point? Six. Six years? years. I don't know. Like, of, of just like insane, insane, insane craziness as far as that goes. And it feels like this movie doesn't even feel like it comes close to like plumbing the depths of that horror, you know, yeah. but, but it is interesting to have a movie that is like actively about deep fakery and yeah. Yeah. I think we said in homecoming that these Watts movies are quietly more political than I feel like anything else in the MCU is in terms of like modern, yeah. actual, actual day politics. And yeah. I feel like that is such a huge part of this movie you know mysterio going on the thing about like what people want to believe and like Mm -hmm. how can you tell people what they want to hear how can you craft this narrative that people will buy and i think even his his final lines expertly delivered in my opinion we'll talk about him in a minute is i think he says peter people will just believe anything these days 
That's mm. his last line. And that is, you know, like kind of the whole thing this movie is about is about like misinformation and yeah. confirmation bias and like the ability to manipulate people and get what you want through lying to them, basically, and, and spreading false information. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. He says, I control the truth. Mysterio is the truth. That's the other one I wrote down. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially, too, when so much of superhero movies often has to do with the secrecy around identity, lying to the public, knowing better than the public what is good for them, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of, like, you know, vigilante justice, which is, you know, always questionable to some degree. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting, too, because I think, like, the X-Men, at least in the comics, like... Mm deal with a lot of that directly and i i don't know i haven't read the avengers comics as much but they may as well of like directly having a fear monger human character in the public sphere who is like spreading if not i mean maybe not even falsehoods about them but is just like using the actual truth to their advantage of like here look at this destruction that they've caused and stuff or manipulating like manipulating images of destruction and or like completely faking stuff but like doing that in such a way as to 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 further their own ends whatever those might be and you see that happen a lot in the x-men the superhero thing is really interesting but i mean that also gets like kind of at how you can use you can use any group of people whatsoever under the right conditions you can use any like one group that you can point to and use them to fear monger and be like, look at this very scary threatening group of people. And then like use that to, to do whatever they like, if you're Mysterio, maybe it's to make money and, and gain clout on social media. Maybe it's to, you know, try and overthrow the U S government from within so that you can give all of your friends lots of free gifts and things. Maybe it's like, I, I, I don't know. Like, but maybe it's protect global capitalism. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that is like a really cool thing that this movie is doing. Although superheroes is an interesting metaphor because they always have so much. They in and of themselves have so much agency and like have so much power and agency. So it is like kind of at the same time as being like an interesting metaphor. It is also like this, this power trip to be like, Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And the person who is like getting all of this hate is also able to immediately respond in like a, a big and like showy way. And that is like kind of like the wish fulfillment part of the whole superhero thing, I guess. Yeah, it is interesting. It's really interesting in this world in particular because Peter, again, in the comics, almost all superheroes have a secret identity. In this MCU, it's really only Peter, you know, because yeah. they. They start the whole MCU with Iron Man revealing publicly that he is Iron Man. Everyone else is out is just a public figure, basically. So like in Age of Ultron and Civil War, when we see the Avengers getting bad press, it is because they killed people, you know, or like it is because of collateral damages, because things that they actually did. Right. And then in these movies, you do on one hand have the thing of like his friends are being targeted because of his secret identity, because they know his secrets. But you also have the thing of like, now Spider-Man is in trouble for killing Mysterio, which is something he didn't do, but he can't prove his innocence. Like it is an interesting layer into what I would say is the pretty black and white morality of these movies so far 
even when they do tackle the question of like, do we need oversight by the UN? Right. It is still pretty clear who is doing good things and who is doing bad things. And now all of a sudden, like you can be in trouble for doing something you didn't do. Like that is yeah. a big development. I feel like that's true. Well, another interesting thing about this, that that makes me question is this whole idea of a secret identity because mm-hmm. right, here's what I'm going to pitch to you. Don't you think that having a secret identity puts your loved ones, your very close loved ones at actually a higher statistical risk than if you were to be like, yes, Wade Holloman is like Wonder Boy. Uh, and like that's widely known to the whole world as opposed to only me and Zane and Laura and your mom know. And so people mm-hmm. are going to target us particularly because we are the ones like who know you're, you know, like we're the ones who could reveal something about you. Whereas the whole world knows that about you, then like it, it kind of like lessened, it actually lessens the risk to the people closest to you. Question? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that is absolutely true. I feel like maybe it is just harder to have people close to you if the whole world does know. Mm, you mm-hmm. know, that's sort of the Peter Parker thing is that he wants to live a normal life. And of right. course he can't because he's not a normal person. Mm-hmm. But that is the whole dual identity thing. It's the whole Clark Kent Superman thing going all the way back. Right. I think if you look at someone like Captain America, you know, his two friends, his two best friends, Falcon and Bucky, are also superheroes. Mm-hmm. He can't really go on a date. He's still yeah. hung up on, you know, this woman he loved. But it's not like... He could just go out on a regular day, you know? It's not like, for instance, in our our world, it's not like Brad Pitt could just, like, ask someone out at a bar without there being any, like, implicit power dynamics and, like, strange celebrity culture stuff, you know? Right, that's true. So it's like Captain America doesn't really lead a normal life. He lives on a weird complex and, like, does push-ups and training exercises all day. And we see Spider-Man reject that at the end of Homecoming. Spider-Man yeah. wants to go to school and have a girlfriend and have a best friend mm. and like also in his spare time, save the world. And yeah. that's hard to do, which is what Nick Fury is saying to him. Basically this whole movie, Nick Fury in quotation marks, but saying that, are you going to be the person who saves the world or do you actually not care about that? Like, would you actually rather live your life? And the Spider-Man thing is him being like, I want to do both, hmm. even though it's hard. You sacrifice things on both sides, you know? Yeah. Well, and he says, I'm going to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yes. That's, yes. And that's that's freaking essential. That's like so part of mm-hmm. it. And that is like, I think, a part of what all three of these movies are about is about him being like so focused on the people like right around him and like. I mean, yes, the thing happens in Europe, but it wouldn't he wouldn't have gone to Europe to screw around with Mysterio. No, it's only just so happens that Nick Fury keeps rerouting his trip to go wherever Mysterio is going to be. You know, like he's just kind of caught up in it and is doing it to protect his friends. It seems like most of all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's touching. It's compelling. Really heady stuff, honestly. Now on to the villains report. Yes. Now, there is a movie in this whole MCU saga called what? 
not elementals eternals okay never mind okay oh yeah yeah yeah. because all of the freaking names with capital letters in (laughs) in this series are it's getting to be a bit much if you were to like (laughs) if you were to write them all down and just read them first off it would take 10 minutes but it would also be a hilarious 10 minutes it would just be one of those things where you know Mm -hmm. it isn't funny but then nine minutes in you're like this is (laughs) yeah well, that's the great joke in Infinity War when Hulk comes back from outer space and he's like, there's an Ant-Man and a Spider-Man? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Eternals are something different, but in this movie there are the elementals, which are like the fake threats that Mysterio has designed and is fighting for the first half of the movie. There's like a big sand monster, a big fire monster, big water monster. What else to say? <laughs> I like it because it is just like so simple. Mm-hmm. Because like why do you, it doesn't have to be like some like sometimes there's just an elemental monster that wants to wreak some havoc. <laughs> yeah, you know, like sometimes that just happens. Like this is a world, this is a universe with an insane amount of weird and freaky stuff going on that of like a fairly destructive mm-hmm. nature. Like pretty much ninety five percent of the time, right? So yeah. the fact that there would just be like some elementals busting around and you have to stop that from happening totally makes sense and why would it need to be anything more complicated we don't have to sit through william h macy losing the divorce trial falling into a big vat of water and becoming water man to go and take his revenge exactly (laughs) yeah it it water half face scary I love so much. I mean, this is getting into Mysterio, but I love that he has concocted this backstory that the fire monster killed his family. Yeah. And he has all that stuff about like, this is for my family. Time to do what I should have done last time. Yeah. (laughs) All of that. Well, no, it's it's good, and it's also like in and of like in and of itself, like that kind of a meta commentary on the whole state of the of the whole series too, as well. Yeah. It's just like because we, as the viewer, are initially supposed to be fooled too, and it's like yes, you will you'll buy that you'll buy that it's that yeah. it's elemental water monsters from another dimension <laughs> and that jake gyllenhaal's real pissed because his family got burned up and now that's going to be the plot of this spider-man movie and there's like a moment where you as the viewer are like yeah probably this movie also like introduces the multiverse although it is not real mm-hmm. in this movie it does sort of sets the stage for it becoming a big thing in the next phase yeah and kind of the variance thing with us seeing J.K. Simmons again as J. Jonah Jameson, but like a different version of him in this universe. Yeah. Well, what do you think about about old Jakey G in this movie? A man who got cast to play Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2 15 years ago, uh, of course, didn't end up doing it and now is playing the bad guy in the Spider-Man movie. I think he should have been in more of this movie. I think he is always a compelling screen presence. More of him being weird with Peter saying, like, I want to see the part where this guy loses himself a little bit in the story that he's created. Because I think there's some of that there, especially when you've got somebody as interesting as Jake Gyllenhaal playing him. 
Mm-hmm. So I want to see like that dissatisfied corporate guy like start to believe his own thing a little bit more and just like get more into that and like you know see where the line crosses and see like more of the dissatisfaction between him and his compatriots as he like becomes this more megalomaniacal thing like i think the journey of that thing from being like a group project because they're all dissatisfied which is super interesting and seems like i can kind of get behind them as a group to him like his rise is this kind of like charismatic but self-involved leader I'd be interested to see more of it. But I think it's all there. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, I felt when he starts getting like murderous at the end, I thought that maybe his group should have reacted a little more strongly to that. Yeah, right. Because they don't really seem like a murderous bunch. They're obviously like jilted ex tech mm-hmm. employees. But yeah. the thing that they're doing is not hurting anyone. So once Jake Gyllenhaal starts being like, I'm going to kill the kid. And he keeps saying that and stuff. And we're going to cause some casualties in London. You feel like people should be a little more uneasy with that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of also like the entire crew of people at Jurassic World. In Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> right. Where they're like, release the dinosaurs. And there's 15 office workers. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> in general, I, I really like this performance. I wrote down exactly what you said. I wrote that he's so compelling just as a screen presence. I think that first half of the movie before the twist is honestly kind of like a masterclass in like how to be compelling and act in these things. Like he has such standard boilerplate stuff on purpose. Mm-hmm. And yet you like, he really just is like magnetic and how he sells it. You can't like take your eyes off of him. Have you ever seen Nightcrawler? No, I haven't. Oh my God. It is. I mean, for me, that is the other than Donnie Darko. It is the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. It's Hmm. like the one and and to me, it's the one that is truly the best, like showcases his acting ability at its like very finest. Oh, yeah. Just he is so he is just so damn interesting. Uh, (laughs) And he is way more in this than in like enemy or prisoners, you know, like he is great in those movies, enemy in particular. But those strike me as taking himself a little more seriously, mm-hmm. like very sort of like actorly dramatic roles. And then this, I think he's having a lot of fun being in a blockbuster. And I feel like in the second half post twist, he's getting a little bit into that manic energy that he's done recently that I love. Yeah. He oh starts to get a little bit like my personal favorite performance of him at Mr. Music. Oh my God. Lunch bunch. Oh Yeah. <laughs> God, that's there's good. a little bit of Mr. Music to this guy as he's directing everyone. Damn. So, God, he's so good in Enemy, too. He really is. Yeah. He is so good. Yeah. I kind of want to rewatch that movie because the ending freaks me out so bad. That's such a good movie. I don't know where I put it in my ranking, but it probably should have been one or two high. Should have been. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> probably so. Like, thinking back on it. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, what about Brad? That's the other villain. Brad. Don't like him. Yeah, I mean... Not the actor, but... Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't like Brad. Yeah. I like when the other teacher is like, I'm going to be a cool teacher about this. Stop taking pictures of people in the bathroom. <laughs> Urinal stall, it doesn't matter. You need to stop. <laughs> yeah, the teachers are very funny in this. Oh, my God. The one teacher, Martin Starr, I think, is the actor who's back from Homecoming. Uh-huh. The bit he has... Where it's like 40 seconds and you're waiting for the camera 
to drop in the water the whole time. He's taking like a selfie of himself on a pier. It's honestly like an incredible bit of clown work where like you keep thinking it's about to fall and then it finally does at the last second. It was incredible stuff. I and I also right after watching this movie, I overheard two teachers here talking about how miserable it is to chaperone on school trips and I was like that's <laughs> that's hilarious. I like when Brad like breaks down and gives a speech about Peter and then the teacher is like, let's put this craziness behind us and just walks away. <laughs> Doesn't engage with it at all. <laughs> oh man. I forgot about the whole part where Peter's like naked in the, <laughs> it with, so the German, with the German secret service woman. <laughs> Yeah, he gets like a paparazzi shot of him and TMC. Oh, God. Uh, Brad, we do not like. But luckily, neither does MJ, really. True. You know, he just had that split connector and wasn't sitting next to, you know, someone else. So I love that MJ figures it out. Oh, yeah. That's something Kristen Dunst gets gets pretty close to. She gets to the stage where she's like, I need to kiss every man in my life to figure out which one kisses like Spider-Man. Because also you would like, especially if you had a crush on someone and you're kind of watching them. <laughs> Are you laughing about the kiss test? Just want to remind people that's what happens in that movie. I forgot about that. <laughs> but the Zendaya thing, like if you had a crush on someone, you were paying attention to them, especially. But even beyond that, like, if uh, someone was just disappearing all the time, like, you would be talking about that. Yeah. And if also wherever he went, Spider-Man turned up, you would probably figure it out. You would. And not only that, if he's going to be, like, dipping out of things like that without telling her, you know, she's yeah. just she's just like, whatever. Now, wait, who is your MVP other than Pita? I love Zendaya. I also love Marissa Tomei in this movie. Shout out to her. The mom jeans in this movie is unbelievable. Also, the way she just she's just playing like flirtation with every single person that she interacts with in this whole movie. Her take on Aunt May is that maybe she's not conscious of it, but that she is like the flirtiest person in the world. Yeah. Anyway, my MVP for this movie is Andrew Rice playing. Betty Brant. I think she's so funny. All the stuff she does in the background of this movie, all of her interactions with Ned. It's just such, it's just like a good classic comedy bit. Like the couple who is immediately acting like they've been married for a hundred years when they start dating. And she does all this, like she does this funny stuff in the background of all those shots. She's always coming to visit Ned. Uh, I love when he's like trying to get them away in the carnival scene. And she's like, don't worry about it, babe. We'll go to the top of the Ferris wheel. You'll get a little fresh air. You'll feel so much better. This is really funny. So that is mine. Emmett, who is your MVP? I think I'm going to have to go with Ned. He is like to be consistently very funny, very fun part of this movie. Him being the only one who's like kind of onto it and knows what's going on, right? Does he know what's going on? Yeah, he knows yeah, the Spider Man, Spider Man, right? Like, so he's he's already like in on it a little bit, and then he's like, "Sweet, we're gonna stay at the Opera House," and then they're like, "No, like, let's go." And he, like, he was going to be at the only one safe place, and then he goes right into the danger, and like, yeah, I th- I think he's he's very fun. 
I love when he's a little jealous of um, when MJ finds out too. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known for a long time. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. His jealousy of MJ, it's like that's very sweet. Well, yeah. So, do we have any final thoughts on this movie? How it falls in with the other previous Spider-Mans we have seen? Any big takeaways? And also, how does this wrap up Phase Three for you? Like, how is this as the movie that Phase Three was working towards? Well, Endgame is really the one it's working towards, and this sort of wraps up the loose ends. Right. I do like that it is about the impact of Tony's death, even though that is sometimes at odds with like the light, breezy summer vacation tone it wants to go right. for. But I still think I still like that that stuff is there. It makes sense as a natural conclusion and really makes sense setting up phase four with starting to imagine a multiverse, starting to imagine different versions of characters. It works pretty well as a Spider-Man movie. Like I said, it's, a really big swing to take it out of New York, but also like this is literally the only one and we've watched what, like 12 of these or something. Yeah. And this is the first one that takes it out of New York. Yeah. I like it. I like them taking a swing. I also like that they tie back barf Tony's technology in uh civil war that uh-huh. did feel like a big loose end for a while. How he made like the weird drone therapy chamber where he was yeah. talking to his mom and everything yeah. and they explain that like this is the guy who made that and he's using that technology yeah okay two things i want to shout out my first is the like nightmare trip sequence with the drone oh, when uh-huh. when he's putting through peter through all that i think that stuff is really creepy really cool really trippy and well directed i honestly think it does a better job of doing that thing than any of like the doctor strange movie yeah trip sequences where there's all like the repeating sequence hands and everything like yeah i feel like this one just visually does such a good job of being really cool and unique and i love when it comes back at the very end too and he's got to use his spider sense to like figure out where everything is in the real world where the real thing is and then he realizes that mysterio is literally holding a handgun to his head and about to shoot him which is pretty bleak for a spider-man villain you know yeah so i really love all that stuff visually And my final, final thought is I just want to call out one of my favorite jokes in this movie because it's pretty far in the background, but it's with Flash when Peter gets the glasses where he can see what everyone is doing on their phone. Uh He pans across the bus and you see that the text that Flash is writing just says, mother, I have not heard from you and father in days. And then when he gets picked up from the trip at the very end it's like this weird butler guy and he goes butler could mother not be here i don't really know exactly what it is but it was so funny to me that's hilarious this is weird formal lonely rich kid yeah no wonder he's such a dick to peter (laughs) for real emmett final thoughts it's remarkable to me this movie two hours long last one three hours long you know this is going for like you said that summer vacation vibe i feel like the avengers movies realized that they were like had started out as these fun popcorny summer blockbusters and at some point had turned into like dour like religious epics and they, they were like whoa 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 we need to get back on that summer fun thing 
and then this movie is what they did. Huh. Well, wait, do I have a quiz for you? This is going to be a classic bums the word. The category, I promise you, what I typed into Google was travel films. The movies, the eight movies that you're about to try and guess are all tied together (laughs) by the theme of travel. And when I tell you that this list is unhinged, and if I myself had just like written a list of all the movies that I thought had to do with travel, you'd have a better chance of guessing them. Well, let's get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. The first movie on this list is a, a 2019 daytime horror film as it was classically billed okay okay uh this would be midsommar that is correct boom midsommar because she travels in that movie though that is also a movie that was like funded by like the tourism board of sweden or something an insane choice on (laughs) on their part yeah If that's what Sweden wants you to think about their country, imagine what it's really like. Okay, this next movie is a 2021 action-adventure drama sci-fi thriller. It's an Amazon original movie. It stars fellow uh, Avengers MCU person Chris Pratt. It looks pretty intense. Oh, um, is this The Tomorrow War? It is the Tomorrow War. That is correct. I don't know why that has to do with travel. Maybe they thought I meant time travel. They do time travel in that movie. Yeah. Oh, see? Well, that might be what really ties these movies together, but I promise I wrote travel. Okay, the next movie on this list is a a 2020 film by a classic twisty action-adventure psychological thriller director famous for his practical effects. This movie, I know so well that I'm going to say the title backwards. Tenet. That is correct. Another travel movie, I guess. Okay, another movie. <laughs> same director. Previous okay. pre, a previous film by the same director. It's also about travel. Uh, if I told you what kind of travel, I would be telling you the name of the movie. <laughs> oh, hmm. Okay, it could be one of several. Is this Interstellar? That is correct. Okay. It was like space travel or dream travel. Which one? Is oh, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This next film is a 2016 drama film. It's a, an Australian biographical drama film directed by Garth Davis in his feature directorial debut. It's based on a 2013 nonfiction book, A Long Way Home. And it stars Dev Patel, Sunny Pawar, Rooney Mara. And Nicole Kidman. Wow. A classic one-word title. 2016. Uh Dev Patel. One-word title. One-word title. What what is the word about? Is it a name? Is it a place? Uh, It's an animal. I don't know. I don't know what it could be. This film is Lion. Wow. Yeah. Making Dev Patel yet another Lion King that we have covered on this episode. I guess that's why that new Idris Elba movie is called Beast, because Lion was and already Lion was taken. Already taken. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the, this next movie is another classic one-word title. It is a movie we have already covered on this podcast. 
in its own episode or it had its own episode full okay. dedicated episode keanu <laughs> this is the yeah. first one word title like no uh this is a travel film okay uh it's about a young boy who travels from his hometown to a new town very 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 far away to help Dude? his mom and yes <laughs> I mean, there is travel at one point. <laughs> at one point in that movie, there is travel. Okay. okay, this next movie is a 2022, widely panned as the worst movie of 2022 movie, starring Deadpool. In this, a time-traveling fighter pilot must team up with his 12-year-old self um, on a mission to save the future. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what this was called. It was called something dumb, like <laughs> Project X or <laughs> Starfighter Project. It's so close. Uh, wait, is it called <laughs> The Atom Project? It is The Atom Project. Wow. I've just realized that that might be a pun saying it out loud, which I didn't before. Now, finally. A film which I don't even think has come out yet, starring friend of the pod Taika Waititi and others. We've got a Kiki Palmer in there. Um, we've got a Chris Evans in there. Oh my god! This is a film. I think an upcoming film from a very popular film studio, subsidiary of Disney, but used to be its own its own thing. About a superhero from beyond the stars. Oh, okay, okay, yes. Now, this movie has come out. I have not seen it. I believe this is Lightyear? That's correct! Nice. nice. Lightyear, which is the number one movie that comes up when you Google travel movies. <laughs> he is Lightyear! Really, what are they thinking? I really did think that we were going to get like at least one about some people on a beach somewhere. like really like you have to go to movie number i think movie number 11 was a movie about people on a beach somewhere the first 10 are like space or time travel which is a very futuristic age man you know back in like the 40s and the 50s Uh there would be all these blockbuster movies that were literally just like basically like a travel documentary but not even like a narrative you know like it would be called like volcano or like the seven wonders of the world or like explore Asia. And these would be like the number three movie of the year because, you know, I'm sure it was revolutionary. Yeah, a- it's like absolutely. A, a moving picture of an ocean. Dude, if, family to see if somebody, if they were putting up all 12 episodes of blue planet up at the movie theater, I would go watch that right now. Of course I would. What are we talking about? We love nature videos. Um, whoever figures out how to do like a 90 minute version of like funny YouTube cat videos is going to be the studio who surpasses Disney as number one in the box office. Wow. Whenever they monetize that. I tried to. It was called Cats the Musical. <laughs> and then it gave the world COVID. So... <laughs> 
Cats the Musical came out and then Mother Earth responded by giving the world COVID because it said <laughs> humans punishment. don't deserve to exist anymore. Punishment for our sins. Speaking of, no, I have not seen Lightyear, although I heard it was bad, but I have not seen it. And I desperately now wish I could take the hour and 40 minutes I spent watching men <laughs> spend it watching Lightyear instead. God. Join us in 50 weeks in the great Greta Gerwig Barbie surprise. Mm, mm-hmm. But next week, you'll just have to settle for us talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, our um, second delve into the spider multiverse, but the first delve within the MCU frame. And our final delve into the Spider-Man whole series. Yeah, it's our final Spider-Man thing until... Uh, Spider-Verse 2 comes out whenever that does, a long time from now. So we're not going to have to worry about it anymore. We will be soon announcing our next series, which I think is really going to knock your socks off. Really, some jazz, some flair, somebody with some friggin' style. I mean, like, you want to talk about... You, you talked... I, I think this movie does have some pretty cool style, but, like, you want to talk about in-game, no boring. You want to talk about somebody who would have spiced that up. Well, we're getting we're gonna be getting to them soon. No spoilers yet. <laughs> Endgame would have been a twenty minute montage um, with five different screens playing at once if uh if this next miniseries subject was in charge of it. Honestly honestly a more palatable way to consume that film. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Until then, dear listener, stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.